Welcome to the very first episode of The Sun Also Rises. This is a brand new program here on KPCG. A lot of our discussions on KPCG are about very important news stories and trends that show the sun quickly setting on this age of mankind's self-rule. But as King Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, the sun also rises. There's also a lot to be hopeful about and inspired about and encouraged by, and that's where this program's name comes from. There's also a famous novel by that name as well, which also took its title from Ecclesiastes, but this show is not related to that novel. My name is Jeremiah Jacques, and I'll be your host, and this program is going to be a conversation about human interest stories, social issues, and some uplifting and inspiring news. It won't be all uh, sunshine and lollipops and rainbows all the time, but we hope to always keep it valuable and interesting and encouraging. Today's episode is called Moving Mountains, and our main story begins with a man, a man named Dashrath Manji, who lived in India. He was born there in the 1930s. He was born in a small village in the northeast of the country called Galaur Village. That's in the state of Bihar. When Dashrath was in his early 20s, he did something that a lot of men around that age do. He married a young woman. Her name was Falguni. Well, the couple started a family there in Galaur village, and by all accounts, they were happy. And it seemed like their lives would unfold just like the others in the village. It seemed like Dashrath and Falguni's lives would take the same basic basic, uh, path as that taken by all the other people who had lived in Galaur for generations and generations, for thousands of years. But the thing about Galaur village is that it's very, very small. It's situated close to a large city, a city called Gaia, that's full of schools and jobs, medical establishments, and most everything else that makes a city a city. But the village of Galaur had very few people and no stores or schools or any of those other kinds of establishments. As the crow flies, the village of Galaur is just about seven or eight miles from Gaia, not too terribly far away, even for people who typically travel on foot. But jutting up in between the village and the city is a sharp range of steep mountainous terrain, the Galaur Hills. So that meant that in order to travel from the village to the city, people generally had to go around the spine of mountainous terrain, and that was about a 32-mile trip, so about four times longer than, than just being able to take a straight shot there. So basically anyone who wanted to go to the city from Galaur could either walk about 32 miles to get around those really steep, treacherous, rocky hills, Or they could take their chances climbing over them. Well, Dashrath worked as a farming assistant just on the other side of the hills. And he was young and and spry, so he would climb over them to get to work each day and to get back home. And for him, it was uh, less than a mile trip. The farm where he worked was just on the other side of the hills there. And one day, his wife, Falguni, was taking that same route over the hills to bring her husband some lunch. And as she was climbing over the jagged, really steep rocks there, she slipped and fell a considerable distance. 
and she sustained some serious injuries. This was not uncommon on the Galauer Hills. Throughout the generations, many had slipped and become injured. The villagers of Galauer had essentially learned to live with this mountain-sized fact of life. Well, Falguni needed medical attention. Her wounds needed to be dressed. So her husband, Dashrath, stayed with her, and he sent for a doctor. Of course, no doctors lived there in Galaur, so one had to be summoned from Gaia. And the doctor finally was summoned. It was well after dark by the time they reached him, and he didn't want to risk climbing over the mountains, especially since it was, it was dark by that time. So he took the long way around, and he arrived early the next morning and treated Falguni's injuries. But it came too late. She died because of a lack of timely medical treatment. And as tragic as that was, that too was something the people of Galaur had learned to live with. All the doctors lived in Gaia. There was a mountain in the way. So some villagers were just going to die from a lack of timely treatment. It was, it was tragically common. But after Falguni died, something uncommon happened in the mind of Dashrath. He suddenly rejected the view that said you couldn't avoid occasional injuries and deaths caused by the Galauer Hills. He wanted to destroy the mountain that had destroyed his wife. And he also wanted to prevent others from suffering the same fate that his family had. So Dashrath decided to take action. The day after his wife's death, he sold his three goats and he bought a large hammer and chisel, and he started that very day chipping away at the rocky hills. So from then on, when he wasn't working at his job as a farm laborer, Dashrath was working on moving this mountain. Every morning at 4 a.m., he was up on the hill hammering away at the rocks until 8 a.m. At 8 a.m., he had to leave for his job, but as soon as he finished his work in the fields for the local farmers there, at one, he would have a quick meal and then hurry back to the hill. And there he would uh, chisel and hammer and dig away again until dark. Day after day, Dashrath kept this up. Week after week, and month after month, he just hammered away at that hill. Hammered away on that mountain, just working with his, with his chisel and hammer and, and shovel there. And when he took up the project, it didn't win Dashrath any popularity or respect among his fellow villagers. In fact, the news spread really quickly that he had lost his mind. They thought he was devoting his life to something utterly impossible, so the other villagers there ridiculed him. In, uh, in 2007, Dashrath was interviewed by the Indian newspaper Tehelka, and he said that in those early years of his digging, most villagers just taunted him, and uh, that even his brother used to call him mad. And reports say that most of, uh, most of the villagers, including his close family members, 
just really ridiculed him for what he was devoting his life to. But Dashrath was unfazed by all that ridicule. He just kept on cutting into the rock. He kept on cutting it and hammering it and chiseling it away. And he kept at it for a year, and then two years, then three years, then four. By the time four years or so had passed, many of his villagers stopped ridiculing him. He'd made some progress by that time that no one could deny. And a few of them started to help him buy tools. Some of them gave his family food. And Dashrath welcomed that help, and he kept on digging. Soon, five years had passed, then ten years, then fifteen, then twenty years, and finally, after twenty-two years had passed, with him missing hardly a day of work, Dashrath Manji had finished moving the mountain. He had broken through. He had carved out a broad canyon straight through the Galaur Hills. And the passage he carved out was about 360 feet long, 30 feet wide, and 25 feet tall. I asked uh, trumpet writer Andrew Miller to calculate how much rock Dashrath moved based on the, the dimensions of the canyon that he dug. And it turns out it was about 135,000 cubic feet of rock. That's how much stone Dashrath broke away by hand and moved little by little. That's an astounding amount of rock. And in place of all that rock, Mr. Manji left a smooth, flat road. It's a road that can allow anyone to safely walk through the Galaur Hills. And it's even wide enough for cars to comfortably and, and safely drive through it. The road reduced the distance from Galaur Village to Gaia to less than a quarter of what it had been. He finished that project in 1982, and he went on to be recognized by the Indian government for his uh, astounding achievement there. And the, the media nicknamed him Mountain Man. And local authorities even named that road after him. In 2007, Mr. Manji died at the age of 73, but his road lives on as a gift, not just for the people of Galaur Village, but for the whole region. There are actually people from over 60 villages that now use Mr. Manji's handmade road. And that was what he wanted. Even more than his, his desire to get revenge on the mountain that had taken his wife away, or more than for any other reason, Manji wanted to make life less hazardous for other people. In that 2007 interview that I mentioned earlier, he said the following, My love for my wife was the initial spark that ignited in me the desire to carve out a road. But what kept me working without fear or worry all those years was the desire to see thousands of villagers crossing the hill with ease whenever they wanted so that was the vision that kept Mr. Manji going for all those years, and it became a reality. For any of you who are listening at home and who have uh, internet access and would like to see the size of the canyon that Mr. Manji dug, we have published an article on thetrumpet.com, which includes some photos of the canyon and of Mr. Manji. And if you, if you go to that article on thetrumpet.com, in the fourth paragraph down, there's also a link that you can click there, 
and it pulls up the location of Dashrath's Road and the, the canyon there on Google Maps. So if you click that link, it'll take you to some satellite imagery, and you can sort of zoom in and zoom out and just play around with it. And I think it's really astounding to see the magnitude of this canyon, this, this road that he dug, and to think about the 22 years of backbreaking labor and focus that Mr. Manji had to use to accomplish this. And uh, right there on Google Maps, you can also see his name, since the road is named after him. It's, uh, it's labeled there as Dashrath Manji Road. Well, I think this story is a, a really inspiring one, and I hope that you've enjoyed it. it. It really gives us a lot to think about regarding the importance of having vision and about the power that can come from being service-oriented. But above all, I think this story shows the power of what you might call the daily. The work that Mr. Manji accomplished in any one day was barely noticeable. It was so slight that it earned him only ridicule for the first several years. A single day's work barely even dented that massive mountain. But he just kept at it almost every single day for more than 8,000 days, 22 years. And the minuscule achievements of each of those individual days added up to become a staggeringly momentous accomplishment. He moved a mountain. The lesson for us, if, if we have mountains in our lives that seem too big to move, is that daily effort could enable us to hammer through them. If we take it one day at a time and work at it every day, our mountains may be able to be moved. Well, I hope you'll visit thetrumpet.com today and uh, read the article there and to see a few of the pictures of that inspiring accomplishment. And when we come back, I'll share one of my own personal stories with you that I hope you will enjoy and find encouraging. You are listening to The Sun Also Rises, a brand new program here on KPCG 101.3 on the FM dial here in Edmond, Oklahoma. The live stream is available at kpcg.fm. And we'll be right back. You're listening to The Sun Also Rises, new show here on uh, 101.3 KPCG and online, streaming live at kpcg.fm. We'll be right back to uh, the program in just a minute. wanted to uh, mention a book to you that you can get for free at thetrumpet.com. ties into this very inspiring story. The title of the book is The Seven Laws of Success. It says, why are only the very few women as well as men successful in life? And just what is success anyway? Here is a surprising answer to life's most difficult problem, proving that no human need ever become a failure. All who have succeeded have followed these seven laws laid out in this book. The only way to success is not a copyrighted formula being sold for a particular price. You can't buy it. The price is your own application of the seven existing laws. And you too could uh, move a mountain in your life as well. The Seven Laws of Success, it's a free book. And it's offered to you. You can get it right now. We can request it, download it. Uh, lots of ways to get that. It's called The Seven Laws of Success. It's free. And it's at thetrumpet.com. 
And now we'll return you to this uh, first episode of The Sun Also Rises. Here's your host, Jeremiah Jacques. Welcome back to The Sun Also Rises. My name is Jeremiah Jacques, and uh, today's inaugural episode is called Moving Mountains. If you'd like to email the program, send those comments our way by emailing tsar at kpcg.fm. T-S-A-R, just the first letter of each word from The Sun Also Rises, so T-S-A-R at kpcg.fm. We'd love to hear from you. In the first half, we talked about a man who harnessed the power of daily perseverance to literally slice through a mountain. And for our next segment, I'd like to share one of my own personal stories with you. This is a story about a different kind of mountain being moved. Um, Just to give you a little bit of background, I was born into the Worldwide Church of God, but I stopped attending services around 1997 when I was about 16 years old. By that time, it was hard to even recognize the WCG as anything even remotely resembling the church that had been established through Mr. Herbert W. Armstrong. So many doctrines and teachings had been revised and scrapped and just thrown away. And I wish I could say that I stopped attending services because I was sick of the departure from that established doctrine. I wish I could say that I stopped going because I was unwilling to tolerate all those strange changes being made. But I actually quit because I wanted to blend in with my friends better. I wanted to be free to do whatever I wanted on Friday nights and Saturdays. And I wanted to put more time into the band that I had started with some of my high school friends. So I quit in order to do those things. And in the process, I took up cigarettes. In the late 1990s, if you wanted to be any kind of rock musician... Smoking was an absolute requirement, and all the other guys in the band smoked, so I started to as well. Well, fast forward about seven years, and my parents and brother and sister and and grandmother had found the Philadelphia Church of God. That's the church that sponsors kpcg.fm. They'd all been attending for, for quite some time, and I began to see that I really needed to change my life and to start to live in a way that brought stability and peace that I that I didn't have at that time. And I really believed that God had helped my family to find the true church and the place where God was working with people. So I wanted to start attending. But the problem was those cigarettes. By that time they they had their hooks in me pretty deeply. The band had long since broken up, but the habit remained. And it was not uncommon for me to smoke a pack or even a pack and a half in one day. And I knew that the church asked people who were serious about becoming members to give up self-destructive habits like smoking. So I knew that to start attending services, I would have to stop. And there were, there were other changes that needed to be made in order for me to be at a place where God could work with me more, but the one that I was perhaps most worried about was quitting smoking. It was a big mountain that I knew I had to climb or move or slice a canyon through, and I did not want to take 22 years to do it. I didn't want to take months and months to slowly reduce my usage and buy expensive nicotine patches and sign up for the hypnotism to kill the addiction and all the other fanfare. I didn't feel like I had time to take that meandering journey around the mountain. 
but I was also scared of quitting cold turkey. A few years earlier, a friend of mine had told me a story of a man he knew who was uh, addicted to heroin. And this heroin addict wanted to overcome his addiction, so he made arrangements to be dropped off at a cabin, a really isolated cabin in a remote part of Colorado, for an entire winter. This cabin was about 25 miles, I think, from the nearest store or house. And he was left there with no car or any kind of transportation, and of course no heroin in the house. The man wanted to strand himself, essentially, with all the snow on the ground, with sub-zero temperatures outside, and with that much distance between himself and any vestige of civilization. And he knew that he would be stranded until three months had passed. Well, the way the way the story was told to me, the heroin addict's friend showed up three months later to pick him up, and it had worked. Success. The man was clean and healthy, and he had beat his addiction. He had forced himself to overcome a powerful, powerful habit by being stranded in that cabin. Well, a few years passed, and the former heroin addict decided to try the same tactic with cigarettes. So he had himself dropped off at that same cabin again, and this time he was dropped off with no cigarettes in the house. He was ready to force himself to beat the nicotine addiction, just as he had with heroin a few years earlier. Well, the way the story was told to me, three months passed by, and the man's friend returned to the cabin to pick him up. He pulled into the driveway, and he knocked on the door, and the man opened the door with a cigarette dangling out of his mouth. He had walked 25 miles to the nearest gas station, I think it was, risking frostbite, pneumonia, and even death. And he bought a lot of cigarettes, and then he walked 25 miles back. That's a walk that he could have made for the heroin, too, those few years earlier. He could have used the phone at that that gas station to contact one of his suppliers, and he could have gotten a hold of some of the drug. But he resisted for the heroin, and he gave in for the cigarettes. Anyway, that story scared me, because it basically said that cigarettes are even more addictive than heroin. And there are lots of scientific studies that, uh, that actually back that up. That's just an anecdotal story, but, but plenty of uh, research confirms that cigarettes are more addictive, or at least as addictive, as heroin and, and other of the, the most addictive drugs there are. Well, as I was pondering the need for me to stop smoking, I was remembering that story. And so it really did look like a steep range of mountains standing between me and my goal. So I asked God to move the mountain for me. I knew that I couldn't move it myself. And I, I threw away what was left of uh, the pack of cigarettes in my pocket.
And that was the end of it. I can't say that I didn't have cravings after seven years of smoking, but they were surprisingly manageable. And when I started to feel weak in the face of those cravings, I would go for a run. At first, I wasn't much of a runner since my lungs were were in pretty bad shape at the time, but I got better and I got faster and the cravings got weaker as the weeks went by. And after a month or two, I looked back on it and I was surprised that it had been as manageable for me as it had been. And I knew that it was not because of my own willpower or anything else that I myself had done. I could see clearly that, that God was stepping in and moving a mountain for me, one that I would not have been able to move on my own. My experience wasn't nearly as difficult as that of the man in the uh, Colorado cabin there or several other smokers I knew who had tried to kick the habit. But for a lot of smokers, that's when they relapse, a month or two or three, and then they give in to cravings. There's a famous quote that's usually attributed to Mark Twain that says, It's easy to quit smoking. I should know. I've quit at least a hundred (laughs) times. And it's funny because it just shows how attempts to quit often go for smokers. But I'm grateful to say that I didn't suffer a relapse like that, and it was not by any virtue or power of my own. And after a few months went by, I was invited to start attending PCG services. And I look back on that whole experience as kind of a mountain, a very big, steep, rocky mountain that was moved for me. The mountain was obliterated and broken up by God so that I could move forward. And I I mostly wanted to share that story because we have a few listeners who have uh, written into thetrumpet.com over the years who are struggling with that same trial or with uh, similar kinds of obstacles and mountains. So I just hope that the story might give you some hope and some encouragement about the mountains that God can and wants to move for us if we have faith that he will. There's even a passage there in Matthew 17 and verse 20 in which Jesus Christ says, If you have faith, even like a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. That's the International Standard Version of the passage. And it shows that we can have access to power far beyond our own. We can accomplish astounding things far beyond even what Dashrath Manji did with the mountain there in Galaur village. Well, I'm Jeremiah Jacques, and we are coming to the end of The Sun Also Rises here on KPCG-FM. The live stream is available all around the world by typing kpcg.fm into your internet browser. Please visit thetrumpet.com today to see the article about Dashrath Manji, the man who single-handedly moved a mountain. And while you're there, please order a free copy of the booklet mentioned during the break there, The Seven Laws of Success, which will give you the surefire formula Not theories, but laws about how to succeed and how to have the mountains in your own life moved. We really appreciate you listening today, and we hope that you'll give us your feedback and comments. Just email tsar at kpcg.fm. I would like to thank 
the KPCG operations manager and the rest of the technical crew, uh, Mr. Dwight Falk and the rest of the crew there. And I'll leave you with these words from Vera Nazarian. If you're faced with a mountain, you have several options. You can climb it. You can go around it. You can dig under it or fly over it. You can blow it up. You can ignore it and pretend it's not there. You can turn around and go back the way you came. Or you can stay on the mountain and make it your home. Well, thank you again, and please tune in again next Thursday for another episode of The Sun Also Rises.